Welcome back, fans, to episode two of Pancakes on Sunday through the Looking Glass of a Therapist. Yeah. You're we have a very passionate guest, Joven Gallio, today that wants to talk about things that... No, I'm not a guest. I know, I know. <laughs> Corey's just here for the food. I mean, I know yeah. we didn't say much last time, or episode one. I mean, we were here, and I listened to everything, and wow, we... Yeah. yeah. But, uh, no, this one, I... Something sparked my interest. I think... A guest to the uh, topic, right? A guest yes, to yes. the the mental health side of things. Because clinically speaking, I'm the only therapist here. Then when so, we all be guests, man? Yeah, dude. <laughs> you got that right. <laughs> um, and so I think this is a really great topic when you texted me the one day about it. Um. It was interesting and intriguing, and so many things were happening. So many thoughts were uh, were going through my head, and I. <clears throat> so I really wanted you to kind of take off what you wanted to take off with, share your side, <clears throat> tell me why you're interested in this, what sparked your interest, where did it come from, where did you hear from it, and then kind of segue into you know part of what I do as a clinician is I'm implementing a program for juveniles who exhibit problem sexual behaviors, but overall I've been one of the clinicians that work with adolescents and children. So what does that look like? There is no handbook out there that tells you how to be a good parent. There is nothing out there that tells you what it looks like to be a good parent. Like what is a good parent? Mm-hmm. But this I, I put together a, a parent packet is what we call it that kind of talks about. What are some important questions to ask yourself when you are a parent? What are some important questions to ask your child um, to help them succeed in an emotional and uh, mental, mentally healthy way? So, <clears throat> again, it's not going to be black and white, but I wanted you to kind of <clears throat> open the floor with whatever you had as far as what you wanted to bring today. I heard this from another podcast. I listen to a lot of podcasts at work, something in my ear. And I've never heard of it before this, but it's called the Troubled Teen Industry. Mm. Now, many of you out there might have never heard of the Troubled Teen Industry, but somewhere between 120 and 200,000 children are sent away for quote-unquote reform and behavioral control. Now, the podcast that I was listening to, they got more into, they got more into what the schools, where the schools were, and what they really did. And doing some of this research to get kind of like some of the facts and what what, what each is and what, what happens. I mean, there are some forums with some real cases that, I mean, I'm not going to go into that. That's just, no. Horrible child abuse. I mean, if you're curious from this, sure, but with... Great discretion advised Mm -hmm. of what you're going to be looking into. It is not very good. Mm. Um, You ever remember growing up? I don't know. Maybe you growing up as a kid, you ever hear the saying, you know, if you don't behave, you're going to send you away to boarding school or something like that. Something that that (laughs) nature. Those are real. Yeah. Yeah. And some of them were they're like wilderness camps that consist of outdoor activities like camping, hiking, and river rafting. Sounds nice. They're supposed to help teens like try to be responsible and survive, but sadly there have been multiple reported cases across states where teens have were injured or killed by heat stroke, dehydration, or drowning. Wow. Um, residential treatment centers. These centers are long-term inpatient facilities that offer quote-unquote, clinical and medical care for issues like addiction and eating disorders. Teens at these facilities are given education and instruction to not fall behind in school, but all too often the places are not trained to handle the severe mental and emotional behavior of the teens. Subsequently, teens are given a concoction to mellow or fix them, quote-unquote. Yeah. And this was one of the things I wanted to sort of comment on, Joe, because you and I had kind of gone back and forth in our text messages about inpatient Mm. therapy and what that actually looks like in America. So long-term psychiatric care isn't actually available. So there's no asylums or anything of that nature anymore. Yeah, as used far there used to be. Yeah, but you know they were doing unethical, pra- engaging in very unethical practices there. 
lobotomies being one of them yeah. and that literally ruined it for the rest of us yeah because you know a lot lobotomy pretty much uh scrambles your brain scrambles you and then you you just are not you're just a zombie that is and so mentally ill person was just now not existed. a person right they were just a person like a body mm-hmm. and so <clears throat> those asylums that you see on television or whatnot aren't really in existence. You do have your long-term inpatient programs. And while I can't agree that some of them um, are not equipped to essentially give the correct care, there are a lot out there that I want to, you know, I don't want to make this a black and white because there is a lot of facilities who I have witnessed help with the clients that I have essentially helped after the fact. Now, the, how are they not equipped <clears throat> If these are places that are meant to be there to help these people, how are they not equipped? That makes no sense. So, ultimately, the best way I can describe it is money. Yep. Hospitals, it doesn't It doesn't necessarily matter what kind of care you're going for. You could be going for medical treatment. You can go be for mental health treatment. It all comes down to money. So they have money. X amount of budget, and they could do this with it, and that's about it. If you're, yeah. com- if you're coming here for X, Y, Z, they can only help you with Z. Sometimes, yeah. And <clears throat> what's the lowest level clinician that we can pay to do this work at a master's level? So let's say, Joe, let's say you are diagnosed with bipolar disorder and it's severe. You have severe mania, you have severe depression within your bipolar and you need to be medicated and you need to have really intensive inpatient therapy. So you come to this facility, it's inpatient, maybe it's like a six-week program. Rather than get a master's level clinician or a doctoral level clinician, which they do exist. Mind you, I'm not talking black and white here, but I'm just giving you an example mm-hmm. of a bad example. Um, so rather than give you, give you the experienced master's or doctoral level clinician to treat somebody who, who, needs, who needs that, right? They need a master's level or, or somebody who is nuanced in that kind of work. They're given somebody with maybe a bachelor's degree who is trained in their program. Right? So it could be like a cognitive behavioral program. Mm-hmm. We're still helping that person. Yeah. It's just not in the way that Joe actually needs. Mm-hmm. Because it still brings in money. Yeah. You can still bill insurance. Yep. And Joe is safe. He's safe right now. But guess what happens when six weeks go by and Joe has to be uh, discharged to go out on his own again? Nothing. 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 He didn't get the help you needed. There's no aftercare. <clears throat> There's no aftercare plan. Maybe you get set up with a person, a therapist, but then you have to go to that therapist on your own accord when you just spent six months in an inpatient treatment facility unable to care for yourself. Yeah. So how does that make sense? It doesn't, doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense Ultimately, at all. it's a revolving door. An inpatient treatment, maybe not long-term essentially, but hospitals... Where you do like a two to three week stay, sometimes less than that, a stabilization. So somebody is suicidal or somebody is having uh, experiencing different levels of psychosis. They go into the hospital. This person needs stabilized. What does that mean? You, you give them meds and see what happens. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes it works and they're able to uh, stabilize, right? They're able to function, and but then they're discharged. And what happens a week later? Same thing. They're not taking their meds. They're right back through those doors. Yep. So yeah. it is it is a revolving door. So mm-hmm. I, I just wanted to sort of comment on that because I think that's an important aspect. Not all inpatients are the same. There are mm-hmm. some very good credentialed programs out there. So I'm not talking all across the board, but it's just in my clinical experience as a, as a clinician so in other words, if you can afford a good help, you can get good help. Welcome to America. Sounds like it. Yeah, and it, it get, yeah, that's a good point. So inpatient, some of the inpatient treatment facilities who insurance do offer, won't cover it. Exactly. So insurance guess, won't cover it. So uh-huh. then you're forced to pay it out of pocket, and you can't and, afford that right. because. Yep. So yeah, like thousands of dollars a month. Thousands of dollars a month. Huh. Universal healthcare would be nice right now, wouldn't it? You would think. Yeah. Yeah. No. Other types of these schools, there were boot camps that did essentially military-style tactics to break the child mentally and physically. 
They limited food and water access to teens and intense environmental conditions. You're essentially... You went through army boot camp, but you weren't in the army. But you did that for longer than boot camp was. And had a child. And as a child. Yeah, at 13, 14, 15 years old. Um, boarding schools also full of immense physical, sexual, and emotional abuse. Mm-hmm. Getting into the rough ones that is still legal, especially in Ohio, DeWine. Why don't you worry about this? Gay conversion camps. It's exactly how it sounds and definitely doesn't do anything to the teen except emotionally traumatizing them. Though it is illegal in 21 states, here in Ohio, so far it's up to the cities to ban it and is still legal in most of the state. But I know, like, looking it up, I, I looked it up. Like what? Where was like where was illegal and stuff like that? And in Ohio, it's it's basically districts like Kent. It's illegal. Uh, Columbus, city of Columbus, is illegal. Athens and Toledo. So a lot of the bigger cities, I didn't see Cleveland on the list, but I might have missed it. Sure. But throughout the state, it is still legal in places of the state to send your kid to gay conversion camp. Yeah. Like, and you have to imagine, while something like that is legal, that doesn't mean you're going to find clinicians who practice that. Yes. So, there's a lot of, like, this is kind of off topic, but not really. Having sex with a horse is legal in, like, thousand, a hundred states or whatever. That right. doesn't mean that you're going to find somebody, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, do that. So, But the fact that it's still... Yeah, thanks, Ryan. The fact, but it, the fact that it's still it's 2023, right? Like, I mean, yeah. come on, how right is now. this even a practice? Yeah. yeah, like what the fuck? Yeah. Um, right. And if kids gay, kids gay. Who cares? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Who cares? Yeah. And when I heard about this one, this is the one that really, really kind of pushed me, pushed that little domino over the edge to really want to get into this and spread the word so that we can try to put a stop to this. But there is something called abduction services. Oh. Probably the most fucked up thing that I've heard. For parents having a hard time convincing their child to go to behavior school, they take extreme measures. Parents will hire an abduction service to physically remove their teenager and transport them to any sort of facility above by force. These are essentially staged kidnappings in which the child is woken up in the middle of the night and taken away in handcuffs. I've heard of these things. All these places are marketed to pa- all these places are marketed to parents who feel that they need to change their child's life and behavior. These places can't claim to fix children, fix children's lack of respect, drug use, and running away, and whatever else would make you a quote-unquote problem child. Many states have passed laws to regulate the troubled teen programs, but Oregon is the only state to make the abduction process illegal. Only one state. And probably the one state that holds state. their parents accountable. Right. Yeah. And that was last year. 2022. One state made abduction services illegal. That makes wow. no sense. What? I'm, I'm... That makes no sense. We live in America, and your states are funding this are you really that disconnected with your child that you have to kidnap them yeah to drop to get abducted in the middle of the night and taken out in handcuffs and beaten and transported to this school where it's just going to continue for months really really that's fucked yeah that's really sad um so we still gotta start holding parents accountable Utah is the mecca for these schools. There is a lot in Utah, and they're all Mormon or that makes sense. Jesus of Latter Day Saints. And you, I'm not going to bring religion to this. You can believe what you want, but I mean, you don't get to fucking do this to kids. Yeah. Fuck you. Yeah. You know, you're not God worthy or Jesus loving if you're doing this to children. No. Yeah. It's like a like a like a power complex almost. Mm. You know. Yeah. That's a good point. Uh, Paris Hilton. Everyone knows Paris Hilton. She was a subject of this industry as a child and is an activist today against the industry. I'm not going to delve into exactly what happened to these children, but you can also read that for yourself, like I said before. Um, I took this. There's something from another thing that might, might tip you over the edge when it comes to the funding. I got this from the American Bar Association.com on the troubled teen industry. Some of the facts. So one of the facts was 
The troubled teen industry is a big business. It receives an estimated $23 billion of annual public funding to purportedly treat behavioral and psychological needs of the vulnerable youth. Many residential facilities operate as for-profit organizations. One such for-profit facility called Sequel has an annual revenue that regularly tops $200 million in 2017. So I know it was a little bit ago, but still, I mean... 90% of their revenue came from Medicaid, Medicare, and received approximately $62 million in additional funding from the Department of Health. Programs pay sequel as much as $800 a day for each child at the facility. Now, there's a lot of private facilities and where parents will pay their, their kid to go to school there for the year, sixty grand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just... So, there you go. Schools, these schools are being funded by your ta- our tax dollars. Tax dollars we pay to better our schools, roads, and cities, and states we live in in the government is funding schools like this, where they torture youth of this nation and it has to be stopped. If, any, if everything up I said above you upsets you, if everything I said above us upsets you, you can take action and contact your local, state, and government and put a stop to this. Personally, if you're a parent who can't control their child, there are programs for therapy to help your child that's not abusive and will have a better outcome between you and your child. I mean, you can do these together. There's plenty of programs where you can, parents and child, do stuff together. Yeah, and that's a big point in all of this. Don't just parents need to be held more accountable. They want to blame the kid for everything. And maybe if you get some better parenting skills, Mm -hmm. we can get a cooperative, you know, relationship going. Don't just send your kid off to some school. Yeah. Well, that's kind of where my program has geared towards. It's not... Usually when there's something going on with the kiddos, you have to look at the parents. Yeah. You have to. Totally. Because who is that child learning from? More than not, the parents or the caregivers or some sort of adult figure in their life. Mm-hmm. Or figures in their life. And so that's why I came up with that parent packet is because while the child and it should be accountable for what their choices and actions... Parents need to be held accountable, too. Like, why is your yeah. child making this choice, dudes? Yeah. Yeah. It's, what are you doing at home that makes yeah, them want to do this shit? Yeah. yeah. Now, I will say, going into this, I know Ohio, I believe it is still legal. But there are some states, like California, they made it, you're not allowed to be a for-profit, but you're you're allowed to be non-profit. Um, Montana. Which is still crap, though. Yes, it, right. You're a med- you're a Medicaid funded facility, which is paid by the government. You're for nonprofit. It's like the government's getting their money back. Right. Now, now, and the government, like, they'll put juvenile into it. Like, if the kid's roaming through the foster system and he's causing problems, a judge or something will get a cut for sending the kid there. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Like, there's there's it's intertwined payouts. It's all about money. It's all about now. I know nobody actually wants to help the youth unless you're a small funded like like you're doing it on your own. Right. If it's ran by the government or the public, they're just how much money is this making? You're, to help you're just a them? number. You're just a yeah. fucking barcode for them. I know Montana did make it state regulated to where there there was one incident at a school up there. Um, one of their punishments for a child or two children was to make them sleep in a tent outside in sub-zero temperatures and shorts and a t-shirt and yeah like like what the fuck is that going to teach a child nothing yeah exactly nothing but they they ended up like the state stepped in and closed it and like found a bunch of findings and anything up there now is state regulated but it's still i mean and and I, I so they clean up for an inspection mm-hmm. when the when the state comes in for an inspection, but mm-hmm. 360 days out of the year, they're doing whatever they want? No. That's terrible. And I just... Why... There's... You can... With the money that you're spending government tax money-wise, you can do programs and make schools better and give... You're sending a kid away far from yeah, where they grew. Yeah, make them more money. I don't care. You're not doing it for you. <laughs> right, right. Politics shouldn't be a job. Politics is a service. It's mm. a public service. At this point, it's a career. Yeah. <laughs> but well, I'm not gonna let's. I'm not gonna get too deep into that. We are right therapists and yeah. mental health related. So I will. Yeah. 
But yes. It's unfortunate that it, it is bureaucratic related, though. It's so unfortunate. And I didn't realize that. So, you know, when I started doing my case management work, that's when I started to really realize this revolving door that existed. I worked for a non for profit agency. Actually, all of the agencies I feel like I worked for were non for profit. So, what's non for profit actually mean? So. Because if you think about it, and I'm not going to get too, I'm not going to get too into this either, because I'm grateful for the experiences that I've had, and there's no perfect world, there's no perfect system. We do what we can with what we have. So it's not for profit. You're essentially breaking even every year. Well, essentially, because you're not doing it for free, right? But the tax breaks, and you get money from the government. Yeah, and. Like, as working as a non-for-profit, you know, as somebody who has student loans, I can get the, that shit, like, forgiven and stuff. Right. So there, there is a plus side to some of that for me working for those kinds of companies. Um, but it just felt like I was constantly working harder than my clients. And it felt like that because my clients were fucking sick. And I was literally just keeping them alive. Mm -hmm. As a case manager, I was making sure that they had food in their fridges. I was making sure that they were going to their doctor's appointments and taking their medication as much as I possibly had the ethical capabilities of doing that. Um, I was making sure their bills were paid. <coughs> and, and just because, because they, were, they were that severely mentally ill. Damn. And so, and as a case manager, that's not really my role. My role is to help them and link them with those resources. But I was doing part of that work because these people don't have family, mm -hmm. right? And so they, they're kind of just alone, severely mentally ill in the shitty parts of Cleveland with shitty slumlords that don't fucking do anything for their, for their attend attendance or whatever they're called. So it, it was, it just, that's kind of off tangent a little bit or off topic a little bit, but... It, it it's just a revolving door and it does have to you know money has a role unfortunately um but you know the parent the parent stuff that we were kind of getting into um so there is no perfect way to raise a kid uh but a lot of what i you like, mean it doesn't dump out with the manual it doesn't dump out with a manual, right? They don't come with one of those? Wrap the plastic? Like, here, take it. I heard the first kid was a trial run. By the second time, we'll you see know. what happens. You want to know? You kind of know. Yeah. I mean, I've seen it with Lincoln and Mason. Mm -hmm. I mean, they were baby and Lincoln, but Mason, he can do whatever he wants. He's a tank. Yeah. <laughs> he is a tank. He That's is. a little chunker. He's funny. Yeah. So, family dynamics plays a huge role in the mental wellness of our children. Um, as a part of the counseling process, I ask the families to engage in therapy. If they don't want to engage in therapy, I do my absolute best to work with the children up until I can't anymore. Mm -hmm. Right? There's only so much I can do from sitting across from somebody in my office for an hour a week. Right. Do you Maybe do it, two. Do you do it parent and child together or parent and child separate or it both? It's both. It okay. depends. It depends where the where the family's at. Sometimes it's about opening a line of communication between the two and if I how can I help that? Well, I can help that by just having them sit in front of me and talk. And and then I sort of mediate the situation, I guess you could say. Huh. But it really it really depends. Um so part of the program I came up with a something called a parent packet, which we made into like a nice little brochure for parents to kind of take home after their family their kiddos have been referred to us. Um, and I, ha I do work with some mandated individuals. So they are court mandated because they have engaged in some sort of inappropriate sexual contact with somebody. So that doesn't necessarily mean that they inappropriately touch their three-year-old cousin as a 14-year-old. Right. That has happened. But it could be that they were sending nudes to each other. That's child porn. Yeah. You can't do that. Yeah. Right? <laughs> it's also, you get a girl, she's 16... These two kids, 17 years old, they're smoking some weed, drinking a little juice, and they end up doing 
the deed or having some sort of sexual intercourse and the kids get in trouble because the uh, girl the next day went to her parents and said this is what happened and shit hits the fan. Um, so also consensual. You can't give consent if you're under the influence of substances. Just a shout out to the people out there who think you can. Mm. Right? Mm -hmm. So there, it's just about being uneducated in some regard. But anyways, before I get off about my whole program. <laughs> um, <laughs> so the first part of this is practicing empathy and understanding. So empathy is the ability to understand where someone is coming from. Really? Wow. That might be on the mic. That's a hot <laughs> mic right now, bro. Jesus. I'm leaving. <laughs> <laughs> Empathy is the ability to understand where someone is coming from, from their perspective. So stepping into someone else's shoes and trying to understand your kids' emotions and thoughts from the body and brain of an adolescent, preteen, or child. We all know what it was once like being a child mm -hmm. or being an adolescent, right? Mm -hmm. So step into those shoes. How does it feel to be them right now? Think about that. Um, I'm not going to go through each of these questions because the parent packet, the, the whole thing is a couple of pages long. So I'm going to kind of tease it apart. Um, so to break that up a little bit more, you know, think back to when you were a, their age. What was the worst thing that ever happened to you? What was the best thing that ever happened to you? What emotions did you think you felt during that time? If you didn't get support, how did that feel? If you did get support, how did that feel? Mm. It's a weird time. It is a weird time. Yeah. How do you think being supportive versus not being supportive to your child can impact them? If you're not supportive, probably in a negative way. Remember, children are like clay. You can mold them. They are like clay. And if yeah. you do good enough, you'll have a nice pot that'll hold water. Yeah. Oh, wow. And if you don't, you'll have a soup strainer that will hold no water. Yeah. Wow. Maybe some noodles. Maybe some nudes. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> yeah, so... And I'm not saying support your child in everything that they do. you got to challenge them, too, because they're, they're growing. Your child will make cho bad choices. Your child will make unhealthy mistakes. They aren't... That doesn't mean they're terrible people. That doesn't mean, right? And so mm -hmm. help them learn from that. You were a child at 1.2. What did You weren't perfect. You probably made some really stupid choices. So using your listening skills and validation. So how does your child know you're listening to them? And uh, pay attention to your body language and their body language and your nonverbal and verbal responses. Are you asking about their days at school and what interactions they might have had? Is there genuine understanding of what is happening for them and what does that look and feel like for them? Is there something about your, if there is something about your adolescent preteen or child you do not understand, don't hesitate to ask questions. You can ask for help as a parent, my dudes. You don't got to do it alone. Hmm? There's parent support groups out there for a reason. Right? And, and the therapists, like myself. And I feel that there's this <coughs> little bit of a misunderstanding that because I've never been a parent myself, oh, oh, you don't know what it's like to have a kid. So how can you sit here and tell me what it's like to raise my child? Okay. Yeah. No, that's probably a lot out that's, there. That, that, that's fair. All right. Well, good thing problem solved. Right. <laughs> yeah, I'm about to be a mama. <laughs> but the thing is, is it... You don't have to be a parent to know what it's like to be a parent. That's what the fuck empathy is. I know what it's like to be a parent because I can understand and empathize with somebody who is a parent. I mean, there would be people that would argue that. but I There's mean, I don't people have, that argue anything. I don't have to be a professional True. golfer to know how to play golf. Sure. Right. So it's just mm. figuring it out. <laughs> Shut up, Ryan. <laughs> it's just looking at things in a little bit more of a critical way. Right. And, and so empathizing and also I'm an aunt. So and, and I, I've interacted with plenty of children to know what it's like to understand, like what that feels like. Um, 
But anyways, I digress with that. Healthy versus unhealthy boundaries. Oh my God. Would you fucking talk about boundaries in your goddamn households? That is it. That is it. Healthy versus unhealthy. Don't piss or shit with the bathroom door open when your teenager is, or when your kid is growing into a teenager. Why? Because that's weird. Because that's weird. Mom, it's your child, let's say it's a son and mom, right? That's a little bit of a boundary issue. Son doesn't want to see you on the toilet, Mom. Mm-mm. Nah. Hell son no. Son doesn't want to see you getting out of the shower, Mom. <laughs> Close the door, right? And that's just, that's just sort of a simple. There's a lot of boundaries that we can sit here and tease apart. But think about what boundaries you have with your child. And... And in regards to our sexuality, too. And I don't care what anybody says out there. <coughs> I'm a soon father to be. But to go along with what Chelsea's saying, you are a parent. You're now your child's friend. Mm-mm. You are mm-hmm. a parent. You are their guide. Yeah. You are, you're, you're, you're there to teach them life lessons. If you're being that close with your son, child, probably some boundary issues there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. Yeah. All day. And another one that is uh, you're probably, I'm just going to throw out a number because I can sit here all day on this topic. Your 12-year-old child should not be sleeping in the same bed as you. Hell no. Okay. Absolutely not. Your 8-year-old child probably shouldn't be. Your 4-year-old shouldn't be sleeping in the same bed as you. You should probably start figuring out what's going on there. Who's got the attachment issues, right? Is it your kid or is it you? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's okay. I'm not sitting here saying Yeah, a lot of things uh, trying to make people a bad person. Yeah, I'm not here to shame anybody. No. It's all, I'm just helping, you know, this is a free therapy session. You're welcome. Um, (laughs) To make things an object of your awareness because you might not know that there are problems because you were raised a certain way too, my dude. Yeah. So I think that's a big part of it too. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that. A lot of people I feel come out of their crappy situations they had looking good. So they necessarily almost like built up this resilience or this hardness that's like, well, if I did it, they should be able to. Life isn't all peaches, blah, blah, blah. But it doesn't make it any better. And everybody's going to respond to that differently. So why not make healthier choices and good boundary decisions and so forth? And even then with the boundary decision, I mean, the kid could be 15 and not know that it's just okay to just go with the bathroom door over like certain boundary issues right there's just people just they're growing up and they think that's normal at home then it happens every day then they're just gonna take that out into the world because that's all they know right right Mm. Right. um gotta shut the door and take a pee kid yeah right and remember you're the parent they're the child yeah take some accountability Mm. yeah uh, helping guide to healthy decision making. So, evalu- helping your kiddo evaluate pros and cons. We as adults have to evaluate pros and cons when we go to make a big decision in our life. And it might be that your kid can't decide whether or not he asked, he wants to ask Susie Q to the prom. Help him make that decision. That yeah. could be like the biggest thing in his life. And just, so just sit down, take five fucking minutes of your time, sit down and talk to him. And I think, speaking of time, I feel like that's a huge thing with all of the stuff that you brought up, Joe. Parents just don't want to fucking do it. No. It's lazy parenting. Give the problem to somebody else. You fix my kid. I would, I would adjust that to have a little more sensitivity on the parent's side. I if you're sending your kid away $60,000 a year okay. because you don't want to deal with those okay, problems, so no, at, that's lazy parenting. No, 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 no. Why did you have the kid in the first place? I oh. agree. I agree. To an extent. And what I'm saying is a little bit, I feel you see a lot of parents. The boarding school thing is really messed up. Uh, especially in my, in my position, I agree 100%. But there's a lot of people who don't do that and just practice poor parenting skills. Yeah. I think a lot of this comes in from to go along with lazy parenting, yes, because they don't have the time, which is an excuse also because of how much they have to work versus how much money they make financially in a household, then yes, why did you decide to have a kid in the first place if you're not generally equipped for it? But once again, there is no guide to that, so a lot of people Yeah, but if finance is the problem, why are you paying this on your child away? 
Right. Well, well not, in those those situ- not in those yeah. situations. And sometimes it is state-funded. And so. I, inco- again, I'm not here to shame or make anybody feel shame anybody or make any feel make anybody feel worse about their choices as a parent this is just helping you kind of question where you're at so if you for a second think am i a lazy parent i don't know are you that's not for me to tell you it might be And, and lazy is encompasses a few different things it doesn't mean that you're actively making a choice to not parent your child Lazy parenting means that something might be going on with you and you're not willing to address what's going on with your child. So you need to sit down and maybe see a therapist, mm-hmm. not your child. Or maybe you both do. So when I say, you know, I'm not, again, I'm never speaking in black and white. The world is not black and white. It will never be black and white. So if I say something that sounds black and white, think about it. Think about why I'm saying that. And I think the biggest things is a lot of parents don't realize that your own problems or the own things that you're dealing with or going through is definitely reflecting upon your child. Oh, this, so while you're going struggles. through something, they're going through it probably tenfold because their brain's not even fully developed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They watch you struggle. Yeah. And they don't know how to regulate, right? Adults don't even know how to regulate. And and which in say, turn is a lot of work. Yeah, it could be hard for the parent if you're depressed it and is. going through a lot and you're already having marital problems and now you're wondering how to manage your kid. I mean, it's a lot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And so, you know, it's important to figure out how to help your child navigate their emotional experiences. So decision-making. How old is your child? What kind of reasoning are they capable of using at their age? So an 8-year-old versus a 15-year-old, that's going to look a lot different if they're at the standard developmental stage that they should be at for that age. Right? An 8-year-old, I've seen some really fucking smart 8-year-olds, and I've seen some really... Uh, developmentally delayed 15 year olds figure out what that looks like for them hmm. how do they make decisions how do you know that help them analyze problems and assist them in making decisions based on possible outcomes you know as a, as a teenager you might think pretty black and white well if I don't ask Susie Q she's never going to want to date me if I do and she shuts me down, then I'm doomed. I'm a loser. That might be the only two things that pop into their brains. But life is more complicated than that. So sit down with them. Give them the time. Uh, have they met all their developmental milestones? So Eric Erickson's stages of development. We talked about this significantly in the psychosocial um, existential uh podcast that we did with Lauren Sedevy quite a while ago, right? Eric Erickson's Stages of Development. Again, that's a whole other podcast on its own. Yeah. But I remember that. <laughs> yeah. Did they reach all their milestones? You have to look, emotionally speaking, have they reached all the crises or succeeded at all the crises in their life? Do they feel comfortable going out into the world? Do they feel comfortable with who they are? What barriers and traumas have they faced? Right, and, and that's part of the therapeutic process. Again, parents aren't supposed to be perfect, and they are—they don't have to do this alone. Uh, understanding how our emotions and thoughts can impact our decision making. So, figure out where your child's like, what kind of thought processes and emotional experiences that they are having on a daily basis. Um, and again, this isn't about being in your child's head. 24-7. That would be ridiculous. Not a good boundary. No. Not a good boundary. <laughs> Irrational expectation that you're not supposed to be there. But asking how they're doing. Trying to figure out where they're at. Communicating with them. Communicating, yes. Always finding time for your child. Yeah. What are your family values? Does your child understand those values the way that you do? Probably not. They're kids. Do they accept the family values? Let's say you are a religious person and you were raised religious and you will always be religious, but your child started questioning their faith in God. What does that mean for your relationship dynamics? Does that change it? Maybe a little. Does it mean you love your kid any less? Probably shouldn't mean you love your kid any less. Because they're allowed to think on their own for their own. Yes. And... That's probably one of the things, side note, that I struggle with as a therapist is sometimes exploring these family dynamics as far as values go. 
they can be very different. So mm -hmm. how do I help, like, this kid who I actually was um, doing work with a Hispanic family. And him and I actually never finished therapy per se because he was very... Um, I had diagnosed him with like a border, uh, I'm sorry, not borderline, uh, bipolar 2 disorder. And um, I think he questioned his sexuality a lot. He came in with his painted fingernails and very different clothing. Um, and his dad being uh, from Mexico, I believe was very religious and while he wanted his son to get help I don't think they had the same value system as far as what they wanted for his son mm -hmm. like he wanted him to be a certain way and he didn't he wasn't that kind of way right I mean he didn't get a gay conversion camp that's yeah. solid yeah I don't know if he was gay but I know what you're saying he qu I think he questioned his sexuality we never got that far but regardless what I'm saying is there's going to be values that align within family dynamics and there's going to be values at some point that don't align as your child starts to become the person that they become, the adult that they grow into. What does that mean for you? Are you going to accept your child and love your child unconditionally? Sure, you can challenge that. You can ask them, okay, why, why do you not believe in God? Something just for, you know, time's sake here. And let that child explain to you. Give them the opportunity and allow yourself to understand where they're coming from. Because guess what? In four years, they might be back on the religious train. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> they push might. your own stuff to the side. Yeah. Really try to eliminate all your own stuff from the side. Where you came from, what you grew up around, everything mm -hmm. else. Try to reflect with that child on a genuine basis, one-to-one, -one, and really try to put yourself in that position. Because mm -hmm. I feel so much of that gets in the way, like your own belief system, mm -hmm. your own way mm -hmm. of how you raised and how you turned out. You have to learn to let go of that for a second while you're trying to teach somebody else. Mm -hmm. Which goes into my next being a good role model. That's our, my next thing here. What kind of choices are you making as a parent? And what kind of conversations are you having in front of your child? If you and your partner are constantly arguing in front of your child about every little thing, what kind of value system do you think your child is going to have? That to get their way, they're going to argue. Potentially, right? It's pretty, yeah. pretty straightforward. Um... What kind of emotions are you expressing in front of your child? And how can expressing different emotions in front of your child impact them? If you are a person who is constantly crying in front of your child, it's okay to cry in front of your child. But to never show any emotion other than being sad, mm. what does that do to them? And it's okay that you're sad. But, dude, you need help. Something's going on with you. And that's not okay. What kind of shit, so this is the intergenerational trauma that I've been talking about, uh, that I was talking about with the last podcast. If you don't fix your shit, you're going to pass it on to the next generation and so forth and so forth. And it's going to be re-traumatizing every time it surfaces. you got to work on your own stuff. What coping skills do you have? What coping skills does your child have? What have you taught them about coping? What have you taught them about emotional regulation? What is mindfulness and how can you practice mindfulness in front of your child so that you guys can work together as a family and as a team to make sure that you're both okay? What are ways in which you interact with them? What kind of activities do you do as a family? What, are they, what, the, what do those activities look like? And how are those activities impacting your child? So sitting your child in front of a television screen 24-7 is probably not very stimulating for them. And it might show them that they're not important to you because you're just going to set them in front of a television screen while you go do XYZ. I understand life gets fucking busy, but you got to figure out how to you make time for your child. Time. 
You have to find time. Yeah, TV TV's not a babysitter. And try to interest yourself in some of the things they're interested in so you can understand. Mm -hmm. Like, that helps so much in that type of stuff. Like, mm -hmm. say your kid's a dancer. And say the dad. He's go not really recitals. a dancer. But, yeah, of course, go to him. But at the same time, how cool would it be to do a TikTok dance with your kid and have your kid teach you one? All right, that would be it was awesome. Like, that was probably an awesome bonding experience. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. There's nothing wrong with these things, and it does mm -hmm. nothing but help. Oh, mm -hmm. yeah. And even then, share with your kid what you like to do. Right. Yeah. I'm sure you're going to take your kid out golfing. Right. At some point in time. Yeah, exactly. I'm not laying up, though. Okay. I'm going to, I mean, he's going to learn the win. <laughs> <laughs> uh, having conversations about sex, drugs, and alcohol. Do not be afraid to have the fucking birds and bees conversation, my dudes. Puberty. Hormones impact us like crazy when we're going through that stage. How is it impacting our mental? Probably pretty significantly. Let's talk about it. Uh, are they being exposed to alcohol and drugs? Yes. Mm. Not probably. Yes. They are being exposed to alcohol and drugs. you got to talk to them about that. Who is showing them alcohol and drugs? And porn. Should have porn on here. Yeah. Drugs, alcohol, and porn. Um, who is talking to them about using drugs and alcohol and how that, that, how that can impact their development? It is more than just alcohol and drugs are bad, right? The D.A.R.E. program, not super successful. Maybe, maybe sometimes, but nope. part of it is <laughs> they don't do drugs. You will, right. you will get AIDS and die. Right, right. Like, don't have sex. It's like abstinence programs don't work, my, my folks, because nope. <laughs> they just don't. Because it's out there. Kids are curious. Kids can be a little silly. And kids are impulsive. Our mm -hmm. brains, our frontal lobes are not developed all the way yet. So when we're you, not going to develop. When, you tell, when you tell a kid don't do something, they just want to do it more. Right. right. Because they want to know what happens. Yeah. Right. It's like, why? It's Curiosity, taboo. right? Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. The curiosity is just eating away. If a kid wants to have sex, show them your mortgage payment. Say, well, you're going to need a house to take care of that kid. Can you afford to pay it? <laughs> Damn. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's a good point, babe. Think of creative ways to show your child. One of the coolest life lessons that was taught to me from, not to me personally, but was taught to me um, by a customer that told me a story in his child when he was young and it's crazy he said you could ask his child to date and he's like that still sticks with me that was crazy but long story short um the kid started to get money when he was younger you know as parents do and give allowances and such and do things and the kid had some change and he kind of just threw it out dad didn't say nothing didn't do anything he said it was a few days later they went to the store kid went to buy something with his money it was a little short because of tax Dad just looks at him and goes, probably shouldn't have thrown that change away, right? They left the store. Oh! <laughs> that kid says, to this day, I thought about that. Mm -hmm. oh, yeah. Like, that just sticks with me. Like, it was just a realization real quick. Not me, not sad, mm -hmm. not anything. Right. Boundary setting, just responsibility little... teaching, just, yeah. hello, yeah. wake up. Little nugget. Yeah. 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 Planted a little seed in that brain. Yep. And I bet that kid thought about that for the whole fucking day. Oh, yeah. Yep. And he's like, damn, my dad is smart. That <laughs> shit... Yeah. That shit was wild. Yep. Yeah. So, know who your kid's friends are, too. My God. Don't let your kid just leave the house whenever the fuck they want. Like, Why? know who you're hanging out with. Because <laughs> <laughs> you never know. There, There's just other kids out there who probably mean well because they're also kids themselves. But when kids and adolescents get together... Their brains just don't function even more than they already don't function Bunch alone. Of shenanigans. You should know Bunch of shenanigans. a lot that's going on in your child's life. Yes, you, you should know, know who they're hanging out with, what they're doing out school. I was school. just talking about this with Chelsea the other day. Mm -hmm. They're teachers. You should be talking to their teachers. Oh, yeah. If you're curious about your child, talk to their teacher. They're at school probably more than their home. Yeah. Ask the teachers about it, what they see. The bill they know this. Yeah. Yep. Helping them understand appropriate behavior for their age. So that this kind of goes back to the value system. Let's say your kid smoked weed and you found out your kid smoked weed. And you take you, their weed and then you go try it out yourself. <laughs> <laughs> and and you are 
super anti-weed. Okay, fine. Mm -hmm. But your kid still got exposed to it. You yelling at that child about them smoking weed and it's telling gonna, them it's not going to do anything. If you Actually, so, no. It does. It did the complete opposite in what you wanted. And yep. when you yelled at their kid, those receptors fired off in that kid's brain. And what that kid does now is, no, I can't tell my parents anything because they're just going to yell and scream at me. Right. Yep. Yep. Guess what? Yep. You just found out less than you'll ever find out going forward because of that one fucking mistake you made. Exactly. That's how important this shit is. Yes. Yep. Exactly. And if you're so anti, how did he even come across in the first place? Oh. Right. Because you don't know who his friends are. Right. Who's the child? Who's the adult? Yeah. Exactly. And right. see how this is coming full right. circle, guys? Boom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, easier said than done. Yeah. Props to all the parents out there. I'm about to become one. Right. So. Understanding appropriate and inappropriate sexual behavior and boundaries. When your kid comes and talks to you about birds and bees, I know it could be super uncomfortable. It's not an easy conversation to have, but let me tell you, it's going to be worth it when your kid gets through school without getting anybody pregnant or without getting pregnant themselves. Mm. It's going to be worth it when your kid knows what consent actually is. It's going to be worth it when your kid doesn't get arrested at 17 years old for child pornography. Okay? It's all going to be worth it. Take that five minutes of uncomfortability and tell him about himself. Be like, yo... Let's sit down and talk. It's going to be really uncomfortable, but we got to get it out of the way. We got to do. We got to talk. Mm. Monitoring their use of technology in school. So, kind of going back to who their friends are. Um, monitoring screen. Monitoring time. their screen time. What are they looking at? Do you know? Do you want to know how many parents don't know what their kids are looking at? And <laughs> it's, it's really scary. easy to figure out. You can even have it sent to your own phones what they're looking at. Yep. It's just people not educating themselves mm-hmm. or trying to find out. There's mm-hmm. so much stuff out there for mm-hmm. them. And all of it impacts their emotional, mental, uh, potentially biological development. And you got to understand that. Yes, there is a is. difference. Don't be spying on your child 24 mm-hmm. 7. No. You can still know what they're doing. You do a little check up. You do a little check up. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There and is a difference. Because they still need their space, right? Right. Yeah. And if you have an open line of communication, your child isn't going to view it as you spying. They're going to be like, okay, mom's got to check my phone because make sure I'm not getting into trouble. Right. Right. That's where that relationship dynamic comes in. If it's healthy. That is so true. I actually see that working in the public. I see that a lot with kids who come in for cell phones and stuff. And I see the parents who kind of let their kids do whatever. And it's kind of crazy. I bet it is. And then I see the ones that don't. But then I also see those kids. And I notice those kids in particular are very upfront with their parents, very open with their parents. They're very, you know, because they have that relationship built. Mm. This is all about relationship building and a healthy one at that. Mm-hmm. Yep. What are their grades in school? You want to know how many times I ask a parent, like, what kind of grades do they got? And they'll just be like, I don't know. How do you not know? How do you not know that? Don't they send the report yeah. cards home? Like- or everything's electronic now so oh, they can literally look at it on the computer you can look at DMDR live what their quiz score was <laughs> I mean even uh, my my mother's a teacher yeah like we'd be she screwed is, nowadays oh I'd be <laughs> fucked I'd be absolutely fucked she has parent teacher conference twice a year first semester second semester yep she's lucky to have three parents and she has class sizes of 30 kids See, isn't That's that terrible. so sad? That's no. terrible. Sad. No one shows up. Parents don't show up. It's voluntary. Parents don't have to show up. Dude. But, yeah. No, they don't. And then and I'm over here telling Chelsea, when I put my kid in school, I'm going to interview his teachers. I'm like, what you got to offer my kid? <laughs> and then she she, she also says, <laughs> like, uh, she'll get parents' emailing, why is my kid failing? It's like, well, your kid hasn't done homework. Your kid hasn't. Why done... didn't you tell me? Well, you didn't come to the parent-teacher. Conference. Well, that's not. That's not even true. Like, and this in, is where in her I school, start... in her school district, they have the. Because a lot of it went electronic when when the pandemic and kids were out of sure, school. Sure. But parents are attached to kids' email and assignments and shit are sent to kids. And then forwarded to parents. Yeah. Parents just don't look at it. Yeah. Right. And this is the other thing. That's why I said parents need to take some goddamn accountability. Because yeah. I'm tired of t- plant parents basically sending their kid off to school saying, you should teach and parent my kid. That is not that teacher's job. No. That teacher's job is to teach them math, history, science, you know, lunchtime, social studies. 
you know, watch after them, this, that, and the other. Maybe some guidance. They are not that child's parent. You should be parenting your child, mm-hmm. and that is not to be put on a teacher. I feel so bad in, te- in teachers in regards to that. Oh. I hear what Joe's talking about. I hear this shit all the time where p- parents are trying to blame teachers, saying, like, you should be able to control the child more and this, that, and the other. Like, they just want to take all the accountability off of them for their own child. Yep. Mm-hmm. I would and hate put it on somebody now. else. I would fucking hate so many people, teacher. and I think it's because people feel so bothered and everything going on in the world and everything else. Everybody's just so selfish. They're not taking time to even think about their own child. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, that's heavy and loaded, right? Yeah. But I get what you're saying. Um, be involved in your child's treatment. If your child is seeing a therapist. It's not that you can come... So, with me, I have confidentiality, but it it, it grays, it it gets even grayer when I have a child and a parent who is seeking out therapy for their child. And I have parents who are super respectful and was like, whatever you guys talk about, it's it's cool. I don't really want to know unless I have to, right? They're cool with respecting that boundary. I have some parents who are really trying to be involved and not let their child be independent at all. And then I have parents who are totally checked out. Like, they don't even want anything to do with it. And Sad. I'm sitting there parenting their child for the most part. As much as I can. Um, so be involved in your parents, or in your child's therapy. Um, look at how you discipline your child. How, how do you? I'm not saying not to discipline your child, but there's different kinds of disciplinarian, disciplinary There action. is different styles, and not all are right, yeah. not all are wrong. Yeah, and it varies. So... Look at your value system and, and ask for help. What what kind of parenting style do I have? Am I doing something wrong? It's not that you're doing something wrong. Maybe you're just doing something that doesn't meet your child where he's at. Mm-hmm. Don't and, blame your child for your own actions. Mm-hmm. And this kind of stems back also to the intergenerational trauma that I had mentioned already before. I want to make sure I didn't miss anything, though. Um, you know, reflect on your family history. What kind of family did you have? Um process therapeutically for yourself the emotions that you experience as a child and adolescent growing up um are you close with people are you close with your parents are you close with your siblings cousins aunts uncles what do those relationships look like why are you close with certain people and not others what kind of boundaries did you have growing up have you ever been in counseling yourself um was it a good experience a bad experience why did you learn anything did you not learn anything Uh, What kind of trauma, right? Uh, How did that impact you? How does your family express grief? Grief is probably one of those intergenerational number one dynamic risk factors when people, somebody dies. Nobody talks about it. Mm. Everybody goes to the funeral and cries. Mm. And then you talk about all the good things, but nobody ever talks about how sad it is. Talk about that. Talk about that, man. It's okay to feel sad. You get, you just can't stay there. Cry in the shower. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> time and place, time and place. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, I, I guess I, I should have said this at the beginning to sort of, because I know that, Joe, you were interested in bringing this up. And I think it was a good transition and maybe transition's not the right word but second episode because last time that we had through the looking glass we talked about trauma childhood trauma and and trauma in general and psychopaths or sociopathy right and so i think having this conversation is people a lot of the time the question is well how do we how do we contribute to our to our kids not becoming that well, this, this is part of what you can try to do, right? It's not going to be that you can be the best parent in the world, whatever that is, right? That's subjective. And your kid could still turn out not not good mm-hmm. or not healthy. And and so we have to give ourselves grace, right? But I think part of understanding, um, you know, what not to do is, is or... Part of understanding of how to be a good parent is what not to do. That's what I said last week. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's that's my biggest thing with parenting. First, figure out what not to do mm-hmm. as much as you possibly can. Mm-hmm. Then that gives you so much area to oh, be yeah, in. Oh, yeah, you did on, say that at the end of the last uh, podcast. Yeah, huh? on what you can do. 
That's the way I've always mm -hmm. looked at things in life. Find out like what not. And then outside, that kind of starts to eliminate all that stuff. And then you're kind of got that out the way. It's like this other podcast I follow in regards to parenting. I follow a lot of parenting podcasts. But the one guy kind of mentioned just something as simple as you telling your child, you annoyed me or you frustrated with me. He said, I didn't realize when I was younger in parenting how detrimental that is to a child. That child didn't frustrate me. I was frustrated. That's my own choice and my own feelings that I decided mm -hmm. to have. That kid didn't cause that at all. And the moment I started realizing these things and reflected on that is when I started becoming a better parent. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And he said, I went back to my kid and I said, hey, I know what I said earlier. I was a little frustrated. That's all on me. Yeah. You don't frustrate me. Yeah. Something that that child did could have been frustrating, but the choice to be frustrated is on was you. Was his solely not yeah. that child's right so communication processing our emotions um and again there is no there's no I, this pair this parent packet that i made isn't the you know answer and lord it's, knows me and chelsea's gonna have trials and tribulations. <laughs> oh, yeah we are gonna do things and i'm gonna have a million questions and i'm gonna probably use google for a lot of fucking shit like, all right, or my sister, I'll call my sister because she's had kids before. Maybe Emma. Oh, yeah. You know, um, what do I do? How do I, uh, how do I swaddle <laughs> this baby? Um, and, and things are going to come second nature to me. And, and that's just how parenthood works, you know? So nobody's perfect. If you can wrap a baby, you can swaddle a child. I think the big part of it is... To wrap a burrito, yeah, you can swaddle a child. Yeah, it's like wrap a burrito. <laughs> you know when they tell you, like, leave work at work, leave personal stuff at home, huh. you know? I, I feel, you know, you try to practice the same thing with a kid. When you come home and you're dealing with your child, it's about him and that child right now. It's not about work. It's not about the marital problems. It's not about... Really just try to focus in, especially on the ones around you that you love, that you're taking care of and teaching and guiding through life. Mm -hmm. That's probably most important at that mm -hmm. time. So use that time wisely. Yeah. And again, you know, using us for an example, there's going to be days where either of us come home and we're going to be in a really shitty mood. Mm -hmm. And it's not about not showing that we're not in a shitty mood, right? I get the whole compartmentalize and leave work at work and, and whatnot. But it's okay to be in a shitty mood. But talk about why you're in a shitty mood. He's like, you know what? Mommy had a really shitty day at work. And I, I don't know what to do with that Within right now. boundaries. Right. <laughs> you, know, you, you do have to be careful with what you disclose to your child. But you have to process with them why you feel a certain way. You can't just be in a bad mood. Right? They don't understand right. that. How, what is that going to mean for them? I would like to think as soon as I come home from work, it was a shitty day, though, and I look at my child, that shitty day is gone. Let's go and look at it. You would like to think that would be the case. <laughs> I would too. But we're human, and that's not the way the world works sometimes. I don't know. I love kids, man. Yeah. I love kids. I'm Knowing you guys is going to be a terror. <laughs> He's oh, got to yeah. be a terror. No. Knowing you guys. Oh, oh man. No. I want to call Joe. We're gonna have, when he's in like baseball or soccer or something, we're going to be the, the ones yelling at the refs on the sideline. Right, the refs. I'll be calling Joe. So, yeah, John decided to jump in a bush today. Joe's like, wonder where he learned that from. <laughs> the bush of bush holes. I still have pictures of you with the bush of bush holes on my phone. So, yeah, that was pretty much a, an hour free counseling session to my parent listeners out there. Beautiful. And, uh... And some awareness for things that are happening to other children. Yeah, just raising awareness and... and I don't like, understand how that... What Joe brought up earlier is even still a thing. Yeah. It is crazy. I don't understand how it's a thing. It's 2023. Yeah. Well, while we could... And... I, not could while we are um you know in advanced country there are a lot of other countries out there that are millions of years behind where we're at true and and so if this is a big problem that we have then let's do what we can to change it because we have a bigger voice than a lot of other people in the world um, so like you said, you know, write your local governments and write your state governments and express to them your concerns about this. Um, that's going to 
be the thing that yeah, makes the Yeah, if we can learn difference. anything in 2023, it's can we get back to loving and caring communities? That would be mm-hmm. really nice. Yeah. Let's go. Support each other. Yeah. People around you. Mm-hmm. The happier everyone in the community is, the happier the community. Yeah. That's the truth. Easier said than done, though. But, yeah. 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 Smile a day. Smile a day. Smile a day. <laughs> Keeps that. the doctor away. And Ryan. ask about their day. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so thanks for coming and listening to Through the Looking Glass. Um, I'm really excited about, you know, where this uh, potential mini-series, we can call it that for right now, because I'm not really sure how long it's going to be. We got some ideas. Um, I jotted some some ideas down from the people that I reached out to on Facebook, trying to navigate topics that people would be interested in. I think we have at least two or three more episodes planned. Yeah. In the, yeah. In this in this series so yeah well the ones that so we talked about but i wrote down more ideas on the side oh so we might have so, even more so yeah, yeah we might yeah, yeah. we have okay. some yeah. everybody we have some good ideas um and the next one i is um i do plan on talking about my pregnancy uh my my the end of my second trimester i'll actually give the fellows in the audience out there a little schedule for the month of February. Oh, oh. very good. Uh, next week, stay tuned. We are doing with the Super Bowl coming up. We're gonna go back to some, do a little sports, but talk about the playoffs. Talk about Super Bowl. Go over. We're gonna do some commercial talk. I think by then, the um, Walter Payton Men of the Year Award will be announced, and all the honors, the NFL honors, and all that stuff. So that should be done by the Super Bowl, so we can touch on that since we had that topic before yeah um the following week we are back here with through the looking glass with sociopath for psychopath the differences and everything in between Mm -hmm. what week is what day is that that is the for us it'll be the 21st the 21st yes but the week before that is my pregnancy podcast yes the 14th is the pregnancy pregnancy podcast and Maybe some Valentine's Day thing yeah. or whatever. Mm-hmm. We'll throw that in there. Yeah. Um, um, might have a guest that day. we got to work out some work schedule stuff. And if she can join us, cool. She's also expecting. So if not, then that that's fine. We'll work it out. But so. But yeah, the 21st got... then is that sociopathy versus psychopathy. Okay. Cool. So, cool. Yeah, stay tuned. Follow us on Instagram, Pancakes on Sunday Podcast, to keep up to date. Uh, we post something every time a new episode drops. And we will keep you guys informed with any information that's coming this way. We have a D&D series coming. Stay tuned. That is coming out in the month of March. That will be month of March. There will be four episodes, and they will drop weekly for you. It's been fun. We're almost done with it. Uh, we got about half of it done, and it's been fun. And I'm really looking forward to see if we all live or die. <laughs> <laughs> I think we'll survive it. After that long rest, I think we'll be all right. Okay, Sergeant. Really? Wilson, yeah. yeah. Okay. Wilson. If you say so, Mr. Hey. Investigator. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's been real, fam. Yep. Thanks for listening. Bye. 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 Hey, man, I just want to see what that alien was, right? <laughs>